You all know I've become obsessed with habit tracking. Have you listened to my How to Build Habits That Stick episode? It's episode 160, and I talk about Operation Glow Up, which is my tracking board right next to my bed. If not, definitely go take a listen. I started tracking my daily movement to hold myself accountable, and to my sweet surprise, I was actually able to average around five workouts a week for the entire month. Anytime I missed a day, I would circle it with a big fat circle and wrote a specific reason why I missed it to see if there were any patterns. Well, in not so shocking news, every time I missed a day was due to being hungover. I'm 31 and hangovers knock me out for a days at a time now. After several rounds of snoozing all day Sunday and being absolutely useless, developing anxiety shakes and a sense of dread whenever the hangover was about to exit my body, I knew I needed to make a change. So I started frantically searching for booze-free cocktails. I was very picky about finding ones that I liked and eventually Curious Elixirs caught my eye. Why? Well, the flavors, the packaging, the branding, and most importantly, the quality ingredients that go into each bottle. That's why I'm so excited to partner with them as an official sponsor of this episode. I loved Curious Number One when I first tried them, and now they have a new addition to the family, Number Seven. Curious Elixir Number Seven is their booze-free champagne cocktail riff on the French 77 and the perfect companion for celebrations large and small. I'm talking spring break, summer weddings, or just a Friday night in. It contains elderflower and lavender to help you unwind and a medley of other high quality factors like no gluten, caffeine-free, organic, no refined sugar, no preservatives, no sulfates or filler, and herbs and adaptogens. I mean, what more could you ask for when trying to replace the booze? I have so many events coming up and I definitely plan to swap out my endless vodka sprites for a pack of Curious Elixirs. You can try them for yourself by heading to the link in my show notes and you'll get $10 off an order of $50 or more by using the code RIFE22. Tell me what you think when you try them. Cheers and stay curious. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. So excited for you to be tuning in today. We've been exploring a lot of different points of view lately on here, and today's topic may just stop you in your tracks. We're exploring the topic of money mindset, and if constantly working on it is actually keeping people broke. I know, I know, you're probably like, Chelsea, what on earth are you talking about? Money mindset work has changed my life, and honestly, it's changed mine too. I remember reading You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero, and it opened my eyes to the world of possibilities when we actually work on our relationship with money. Fun fact, I actually went to her book signing, and she is very lovely. She's just like she is in her book, so highly recommend her book, You Are a Badass at Making Money, if you're just getting into this work. But you've probably read a lot of money books, right? Listened to a lot of money podcasts, taken courses, joined memberships, hired mentors, masterminds. I've done it all too. Funny enough, it wasn't until I worked with today's guests, Chiyama and Jaku, aka the Mindful Bookkeeper, that I saw real change. Why? Well, she held me accountable in different ways that other coaches never had. 
She called me on my bullshit. She made me open my bank accounts and line item by line item, go through every purchase, ask myself why I purchased it, why I invested in it, why I desired it. And she really noticed patterns in what I did in my personal life and how that carried into my bank accounts. It was really interesting to watch how I did one thing was how I did everything. I feel like that's kind of her motto is how you do one thing is how you do everything. And it wasn't until our work together that I realized exactly what she was talking about. Honestly, without her, I would have never gotten my financial shit together. And it's why she's making another appearance on this podcast to deliver her no BS view on the money mindset space. We cover a lot of territory today. And I'll tell you right now, I was fired up up recording this episode. This is probably one of the spicier episodes you're going to hear in 2022. We discuss getting clear on your values and what you want to spend your money on, how to listen to your own gut when it comes to financial literacy and money tools, how to use money tools the right way. We talk about getting out of scarcity mode, how to get comfortable looking at your money, rethinking social media, which you know has been a very hot topic on this podcast lately, and just a ton of other topics that are really going to make you reflect on your relationship to money and how you work on it. And if you love her approach, you're going to love her podcast, Cheers to Your Prosperity, where she shares content like 11 ways to grow your bank account without selling more, or how you can still have your daily coffee and get rich. I love that one because I know for me, when I was trying to save money, I was like, I just need to stop getting coffee. It's adding up. I can't do that. When in reality, coffee is what, five bucks? (laughs) I'm spending my money wildly in other different areas. She delivers really valuable content on that podcast. And I know you'll love it if you love this episode. All right. So buckle up. We're exploring if money mindset is keeping you broke with the mindful bookkeeper, Chiyama and Jaku. Well, everybody, we have another return guest because I just can't get enough of her amazing wisdom and advice. Welcome back to the show, Chiyama. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. I can't, I can't stay away from you. So (laughs) (laughs) feeling is mutual. We always have great conversations on here. I always get amazing feedback when you're on and we were chatting And you brought up a really interesting concept and we were discussing it like, wow, this actually should be a podcast, which is why we're here. And it is the question of, is money mindset manifestation keeping you broke? Can you elaborate on that? Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, I want to start that. Yes, I'm an accountant. And no, I'm not an accountant that's putting down I'm going to call it what someone had went said to me, the woo-woo, because I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, for me, this is actually personal in that I've also, I was once, I'm going to call it woke yet broke. So money mindset <laughs> was keeping me broke at one point, and I'll elaborate on how. And then I'm also serving people that are, uh, have gone through the money mindset program, money manifestation programs, and books, and listen to the pods. I call them also woke yet broke. And some of them are money mindset teachers as well. So, but I know why I know why they're getting, why they're broke. So I'm really, for me, this conversation, I would love to have it just because if anyone's getting stuck, I'd like to help them get out of that stuck place. Amazing. And I know we're going to get so deep into this conversation because even that woke yet broke terminology, I know that's applied to me too, where I'm like, you said I've done the money mindset courses, I've invested in the mentors, I've watched the videos, 
yet somehow my bank account was overdrafting or I was getting low balance alerts. And I was like, what is actually happening? Like, why is this not working? So I think the best question to kick this off is what what prompted that question for you? The woke yet broke and is money mindset manifestation keeping you broke? What was the aha moment that you're like, hmm? I will give the fire the straw that was like, oh, no, 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 we got to talk about this now. Because <laughs> there's, there's a few things. It was actually, I listened to one of your guest pods and you were talking about how your, your clients are concerned about doing their vision boards wrong because they don't have a Mercedes G-Wagon. Mm. And I was like, oh man, okay, we got to talk about this because I've gotten the, the feedback of, am I doing my affirmations wrong? Um, because I don't say certain things. Um, by the way, before Mercedes G-Wagon, it was the Audi R8. Just, uh, just putting that out mm-hmm. there. <laughs> yep. um, and then it was, and I hear these questions. Am I journaling wrong? Am I meditating wrong? Am I breathing wrong? And I'm a, I'm a yogi as well. So mm-hmm. it's like, am I breathing wrong? Every time it's, am I doing this wrong? And I see the focus is on doing these things instead of allowing the things I'm just generalizing here, the things to help you. So we're, the, the, the focus is, it's misguided. And, and so I, I don't think that money mindset, no, I don't think, I know money mindset and the manifestation of money, which I blur them together. It's not about making you wrong. It, it's, it's not, it has, it's not a right or wrong. It, it's, it's to help you, not to make you wrong. Oh, that's such a good point. I I actually just heard this on a podcast recently. And I felt this myself where almost every day I wake up and it's like, what can I fix? What can I improve? How do I better myself instead of like, you know what, I've done a pretty damn good job (laughs) up to today, I'm going to give myself a break from constant self improvement. And I think with money, because it's so, um, you know, it's part of our daily lives, we can't just pretend that we have to ignore money, and we can't incorporate it into our daily mindset like it's something that's there and i know for a lot of people it can feel scary to even check their bank account and then when they do these programs they just feel shame because they're like i like you just said i'm doing this wrong i've been doing everything wrong so what would be your advice to someone who is in that stuck place and they're like yeah i resonate with this i do feel like i'm doing everything wrong why is it wrong that would be Mm. my first question why is it wrong Let's start to uncover, like, I mean, at the risk of kind of sounding like your therapist, I'm trying not to, but it's more of like empowering you, like, why is it wrong? And most likely, some of the answers will be like, well, I was always told, dot, 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 I was told to have a G-Wagon. I was told to not drink coffees. I was told to not spend my money on this. Or I saw someone else had a G-Wagon on their vision board, and so I thought I should have a G-Wagon. And so it's really just uncovering what's influencing us and then, and then realizing like, wait a minute, is this what I really want or am I following what someone else wants? So it's seeking that clarity to know the difference. Like, are you following you or following someone else? Amazing advice. I remember when we were working together. So anybody that doesn't know, Chiam and I actually worked together about a little bit over a year ago, which is crazy. I feel like that flew by. And you were helping me with financial coaching. And one of the exercises you had me do was write down the desire or reason I was buying or investing in whatever it was. So even if it was a coffee all the way up to a new pair of shoes, whatever it was, 
Like what was the feeling behind it? Why was I purchasing it? Why was I buying it? And I remember feeling a little, I remember reporting back to you and a lot of them were just like, cause I want to, because I wanted to, because I liked that thing because I wanted to. And it made me feel guilty. I was like, you shouldn't be doing this. Like you need to invest in your business. You need to invest in your future. You shouldn't be buying things just because you want to. And can you talk about when you worked with clients like me that had that feeling, what do you say to them when they were, they're feeling guilty for actually spending on things that they just genuinely want? My, my response to that and is that no one can tell you what you can buy. I am not in your body. I am not in your environment. I am not, I, I, at the end of the day, I don't know your values. I don't pay your bills. (laughs) I don't earn your money. So that's for starters. The guilt thing, oh man, the guilt thing, before I say something else, that's a practice, right? We have to practice not feeling guilty. So even just that alone, when I, when I ask you or I ask my clients, um, why do they spend, because spending is always the focus, earning is a whole nother thing we need to focus on too, but why do they spend the way they spend? And they're like, honestly, because I wanted to, I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? Like the spending on things that you're supposed to, this is going to sound controversial. That's actually what's keeping you broke. Like, cause it's, it's out of alignment. It's not, it's not who you are. It's not what you want to do. You're not filling your cup. So. Oh my goodness. I'm just like, I already know people are going to be like, what? What does she yeah. mean? Can, can you elaborate on that? Like a lot of the whole, okay. I, I'm a spoiled brat. I call myself a brat. I say it with love. I'm saying it because I'm kind of a little, I'm rebelling right now. I'm drinking coffees <laughs> because everyone has told, is that we hear this all the time. Coffee is a frivolous expense. Why? That's someone else's value statement. It's not mine. I'm Nigerian. My first Nigerian American, first generation here. Coffee was not even in my culture. So I was a Brit. My country is a British col- colony. And then I only started to drink coffee here, of course, in the U.S., but not everyone vibes with coffee, right? So my thing is when, I'm, when someone is saying, no, coffee is a privileged expense, don't drive that a Tesla or don't drive that dented Honda. Those are values mixed in with money stuff, like money lessons. It's all, we got to pick, pick apart like what's really being said here. So like no one can tell you how to spend your own money. That's, you have to figure that out. And that's actually the tougher thing because now you're going to be challenging, you as in a collective sense, you're going to be challenging everything that's been told to you. You might actually have some people like, you know, they, they're very passionate about what they believe in. They, they might express their passion to you and it might be confronting, but too bad. <laughs> they're not you. <laughs> they don't go through the hard work. And the the stress and anxiety and also the positive things, the smiles, the joy, they don't go through your emotions. This is your life. You're living it for you. You have to live it for you so that you can also be decent for other people. Because I know we also want to be good people for others. So you have to live your life. It starts with you. This is actually a concept that became really apparent within my family, where my brother really got his financial shit together. Like, he started budgeting. He paid off all his student loans on a pretty low budget salary. He has a very clear budget now. He like his shit is together. He has no debt. 
And he started becoming so obsessed with teaching us about it. And he would say like, you know, try this, try this, try this. And so my whole family would be like, well, hold on. We all have our own ways of doing things. You know, what worked for you may not work for us. And I, I saw the ways that he was trying to teach me stuff weren't vibing with me. But more importantly, I noticed my whole family, we started judging each other on how we spent our money. We're like, oh, you blow your money on drinks. Are you serious? It's just drinks. It's just wasted calories. You just pee it out. You know what I mean? Like, why would you spend your money on drinks? And then someone's like, I can't believe you would spend that much money on a handbag. Like, that's ridiculous. And people tell me, I can't believe you spend that much money on travel. And I notice I'm like, damn, we're all very different. But it goes back to what you just said, the values. One of us values entertainment and eating and drinking out. One of us values designer things. One of us values travel. And so it doesn't matter how we spend it. But I even had to check myself and be like, okay, yeah, maybe my family doesn't value the same things as me, but I can't tell them how to spend their money. And it's really important that I think people figure out what those values are so you don't feel that guilt. Oh, exactly what you're saying. You you will feel guilty if you're like, oh, I'm not spending it on a designer bag because my sister does. I must be, you know, not valuing nice things. And it's like, yeah, maybe you don't value nice things. Maybe you value something else and that's okay. Yeah, you know what? I love everything you just said because your family's talking about money and, and most families don't talk. And so <laughs> everyone judging each other. You, you're the peeing down the drinks. Um, it reminded me, I was, I was doing some research for, uh, I was asked to contribute to an article and I was doing some research for, for it. And I happened to see a statement by Susie Orman saying, young people, I'm imagining that's how she sounds, <laughs> young people. Stop peeing your coffee, your money down the drain. No, $1 million down the drain in coffee. That's what she said. Stop peeing down $1 million, peeing it down the drain in coffee. I was like, whoa. I'm writing that down because I love that. But whoa. Right. <laughs> it was so like dramatic. <laughs> yeah. And like you just said, some of us, I, like that's the highlight of our day is making yeah. our coffee or going to get the coffee, sipping on the coffee. It's like. That brings you joy. What you've been saying, it's filling up your cup. Why would you all of a sudden cut that expense? Exactly. Exactly. Something else that we were talking about, about this whole, you know, money mindset manifestation world is that some of it doesn't get to the root of the problem and the tools are put a little bit on a pedestal. Can you expand on that, that whole bullet point? Oh yeah. Okay. just going to enjoy this one. Okay. <laughs> so, um, cause I, I find, I appreciate that there's a lot of people talking about money because we need to normalize the conversation. But a lot of times this discussion becomes very commercialized and, and marketing. So it, it, it kind of misses the mark. This is my opinion, but I look at money for a living. So I see the result of these things for starters. In a lot of the programs I've taken in the books, and no disrespect to them, but this is my outcome, my feedback. It's create the vision board to get the things that you want because you don't have it. Meditate to clear yourself, to calm your nervous system so that you can attract the things that you want because you don't have it. Visualize on the things that you want because you don't have it. Journal (laughs) to connect with your subconscious mind to see what's blocking you 
because you're trying to get the thing that you don't yet have. Why I'm saying all this is it's this is a focus on scarcity. It keeps it's your focus on what you don't have. And so you are actually staying in scarcity. Even though it's like, hey, meditate, journal, create a vision board, do all these wonderful things, but you're still in scarcity because you're doing you're focused on doing the things because you don't have the thing. Where where's the transition of like, okay, let me acknowledge the thing that's come into my life. There there isn't. There's no teaching. I haven't seen that yet. So um that's number that's point number one. And then putting the tools on the pedestal. As I mentioned, the Mercedes G-Wagon, am I creating a vision board wrong because I don't have a Mercedes G-Wagon on my vision board? Am I meditating wrong? Am I doing this wrong? That's putting the tools, the resource on a pedestal. Now you're serving the tools instead of having the tools serve you. So there needs to be an understanding as to what the tools do. And I think there's an understanding, but when one is new to this work and is trying to to get on their path or their right path. Of course we want to do things right. And that's conditioning. You know, the way we're growing up, the, 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 the grading scale, you get an A for doing, getting everything right and F if you fail. So we want to be right. But um, this is a tough one. We have to forget about being right. This tool has to serve you. This is about you now. So what you want in that vision board is about you. No one else is judging your vision board but you. So no one else is judging your journaling skill. No one else is judging your meditating prowess. <laughs> this is about you. So the tools serve you. And that's, that in itself is a practice. That takes time to get used to. And this is a tip that I feel like a lot of coaches and people in the service industry have taught me is stop listening to self-development podcasts and reading the books because it does continually focus on exactly what you're talking about, improving every day, no matter what. And I know there's people listening that are like, why is it bad to want to improve? If you don't feel bad and you're like, I feel lit up every day, joyful, happy to improve. Amazing. Keep doing that. I think what Shyam and I are saying, if you wake up every day feeling like not enough and mm-hmm. now you're judging yourself for, oh my gosh, I didn't journal, meditate, drink lemon water, walk outside and you know pray that I must be a bad, quote unquote, self-development person or human being or whatever the case is, when in reality, that's not true at all. You can, ex- you can have spirituality by walking in nature. Your meditation could be looking at a tree. Like you just said, no one's judging you. We judge ourselves because what we see on social media, and I know we're going to get to this. This is a whole other topic. But I think the biggest fallacy of all this too is something my therapist and I often talk about is let's say you did get everything on your vision board next week. What what then? What happens? You would probably be like, well, I want more. I want something higher. I want something better. Okay. And then let's say you get that the next month okay, well, I probably want something more. So you can see how the journey is never complete. We're human beings. We're always going to want to squeeze the most out of life and want more and more. So this idea, like you're saying that once you create the vision board and then you get it, that you're complete and you'll feel so much better is actually false. It's the weirdest mind trick, I feel like. Yeah. So like, I would actually put in addition to that, right? Because we're always growing. Like that's, we are always going to want more and more. And, and that's the beauty of life, as you said. 
in addition to that, this is where I, we need to also practice or become, appreciate what we do have mm-hmm. so that you can also, it's, it's about, you, you can feel the feeling. Otherwise you're always in this like scarcity. Yeah. You know, so acknowledge what you do have too. And me being, showing my money nerdy, nerdiness right now, look at your bank accounts, <laughs> you know, look at your bank accounts today. See what you do have today. See what your money is helping you do today, right? That's, that's how you also practice. That's a form of gratitude, acknowledging what you do have. And also that's where you start to get more of the thing that you're looking for. So otherwise notice, yeah, you get the thing. You don't even notice it comes to you. Mm-hmm. Or you get, you, you get, many people are so great at making money, but they don't see any of it. Because they don't notice what they when it when it comes to them, so it literally slips through their fingers like water. They mm-hmm. haven't prepared themselves to keep it, to catch it, to retain it, to enjoy it. So let's practice enjoying what we have as well as growing and wanting more. Oh, furiously nodding my head. I know people can't see me, but <laughs> because I know exactly what you're saying, I remember last year I made the highest amount of money I've ever made. It was actually last March, and. I mean, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, holy shit, like this is a lot of money. And I only noticed it at the end of the month when I started really tracking things and adding it up. And I was like, oh, that's that's actually really cool. But thank God I took the time to track it. But what's interesting is I didn't even really feel anything or notice it because as it was coming, like you said, I wasn't really taking the time to, okay, hold on, let me feel it. Like this is, you know, when everyone says hit that big month, this is a big month for me. And I thought I was going to feel different. I remember actually messaging my friend and I was like, I thought I would feel different because everyone puts this big number on such a pedestal that when I hit it, it was like, oh, okay, cool. Another day, like this money, it's just money. But it was so interesting because like we're talking about putting the tools on a pedestal. I also put that big number, the big marketing number on a pedestal. And then I didn't even realize it was just like, oh, another day. And I'm telling everyone this because I chased something that I thought would make me feel better or different. And it didn't, it was like, it it just made me feel grateful. Like I have more options. I can hire more people. I can do more with my money, but it didn't change me radically as a human being to be happier. And I don't know the, the feelings that we, I think we think of this like magical fairy tale that happens when we hit this amount of money. And it, I found that not to really be true. See, I think it's cool because, um, what you just said that the, that the money that you made didn't change you because I know that's a fear of a lot of people. That's why they resist making money um, because they're afraid that money is going to turn them into some evil Cruella DeVille or uh, who's, who's the bah humbug guy, evil person, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Scrooge. There we go. And, and so I appreciate what you just said that money doesn't change you. It just, it amplifies who you are. So oh, yeah. that's very, very key. It, that has been the biggest statement for me. I remember someone said that to me, money just amplifies who you are. And I was like, oh my God, they're right. That, mo- that month that I made that much money, I was donating more. I was hiring more people. I was investing in myself more. Like I was circulating that money. And I was like, finally, I can think about other people and be more generous because the most selfish I am is when I'm broke. I can mm-hmm. only think about myself when I'm broke. When I'm not broke, I can help way more people and that showed me that whole statement is true. You will just become an amplified version of yourself. You're not going to turn into the villain of the story. So 
yeah, I wanted everyone to know you might hit that big number and you might not feel any different. Yeah. Um, another thing that we talked about was unrealistic time expectations. Can you expand on what you mean by that? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So I'm sure <laughs> I'm just chuckling. Um, I'm actually going to relate this one. I, I did a workbook. I'm, I'm kind of trying to tread lightly because I really, I'm a huge fan of hers, but it's, it's a book that helped me manifest a thousand dollars. And the timeline in this workbook was 21 days. Uh, for me, it was 35. Now at that point, probably because I was so knee deep in my, I was in my financial rock bottom. I was, time was all the same. And I was more surprised that I manifested this money that I call it the magical manifestation because it, it mm-hmm. came from a very surprising source. But after I got that first hit, maybe is that the is dopamine, but dopamine hit correct? Or correct yeah. yeah, that dopamine hit. I bought two more books. I was like, all right, we're going to up the ante. It's going to be 5,000, 10,000. And no, now I focused on that time. And then that 21 days, it didn't, and I, it did, I didn't even get the money at all for like a couple years, <laughs> like none of it. And um, so I started to feel like I was doing something wrong. There's that theme. I'm doing something wrong. Something's wrong with me. I'm broken. I'm, I'm not happy enough. I, didn't, I need to forgive more people. I need to wave some sage in the room, right? And completely missing the point. And so I made time my master. And I know we see the headlines. Um, what was my favorite one in my inbox was I made 48K while, today while sipping on a latte. I see other people that talk about making uh, $500,000 in 18 months, hitting a million dollars in 12 months. And yay, great for them. I'm going to share this part of the story because most, part, most people are familiar with the secret, I think. I have yet to read the book, but I seem to know too many people that have worked on that movie, which is interesting. (laughs) And um, there's a publisher that shared his trials and tribulations. He published the book of The Secret. And he said, yeah, we became an overnight sensation. Um, I think it was 6 million copies sold within a year. But he said it took 22 years to become an overnight sensation. Mm. So I I just want people to understand, like when you hear the, I hit this in 21 days, I hit this in 18 months, I hit that in 12 months, there's a bit of a runway. A lot of failures, a lot of testing, a lot of lessons learned, and then people get it. And then they implement whatever lesson or implement the structures, strategies, what have you. And that's when they hit that number or those magical numbers in that short amount of time. So. Let's not let time be our master is what I'm saying. Like time is, again, that's the whole, we're trying to prove something to someone. And there's no, I think you told me this, there's no medals given out yes. for how fast you can, <laughs> you can hit a million or 600,000 or, or $2. There's no medal given out. Like, no one, I'm sorry, but no one cares that much. Like it's good I was just business, about to but, say, I was like, like you gotta be just, fired up because I feel the same. I'm like the... I, I'm going to say it. I, I think they're vanity metrics to yes. make people look more credible and expert because we attach time. Like the quicker you do something, the better you must be at it. That's the unrealistic equation we've made up. If they were able to make a million dollars in 12 months, 
they must be the best person. So I'm going to go invest in their work. But like Chiam is saying, what you didn't see is the five years before that where they tried everything under the sun and then something clicked. Then they got their shit together. Then they hired a team member. Then they got an accountant. Like we miss all of that. And I feel like that is why I have such a hard time sometimes investing in coaches because the transparency and the context isn't there. I'm like, but what happened before? How long did it actually take you? And to Chiama's point, I have never in my life been like, wow, she did that in six months. Um, I I now think so much highly of her versus anybody else. It's this weird thing that we use to like, like you said, prove something. But if we really want to drill it down to what it is, and I, I'm going to say it, it might piss people off, is ego. I really yep. think it's your ego. Yeah, 100%. Um, the the thing I I love about what I do, but sometimes it makes it a bit of a downer. Um, I don't care what people make. I, you can make a million dollars, but I know that you probably spent two to 3 million to get that million. So for me, it's like, what did you keep Mm. your revenue? Revenue does not translate into financial success, not by any means. Oh, so true. That's something that I learned in business when I was working with business coaches or taking the courses and whatever. And yeah, it started to hit me. I'm like, wait a second, a million dollars. Amazing. I'm not discrediting that. I want to be a millionaire too. But I used to think a million dollars meant like a million dollars sitting in their Chase checking account. And it was like, actually, that's not true. It's There's taxes, there's employees, there's all this stuff on top of, yeah, what if you're just a spender and you blew through that? And it's like, okay, you could be a millionaire and broke. We've seen that happen all the time. Oh yeah. And I want to elaborate quickly too on what you said about the optics and marketing of things. We often are not taking into account what that really means. So for example, I saw someone recently did like, I don't remember. It was like, I had a 50K cash day. And I'm like, okay, wait a second. That means in your bank account, you're saying that $50,000 hit your direct deposit. I don't think so. I think what probably happened was $50,000 worth of contracts were signed. And so you signed that many, the added amount of those contracts equals 50K. I do not think you actually made 50K direct deposit. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and I'm open to being wrong here. If I am wrong, someone DM me and be like, no, Chelsea, that has happened for me because that would be amazing. But I think oftentimes we forget people are marketing. It sounds better to say I made a 50K cash day versus no one wants to hear the details of like, well, actually, I signed $50,000 worth of contracts and it's over split over 10 months because that's a different thing. It's not as sexy. And so I challenge people to think of like the, again, the context of what that could actually mean. And it won't make you feel like you're behind because I think that's what it makes us feel. We're behind, again, going back to the conversation. We don't have enough. We're not doing it right. And it can be really, it can feel like just shameful and make you feel guilty. Like, well, why am I not making a 50K cash day? I'm just going to say it's damaging, actually, um, just because looking at what I do, not to say, I, I see the, the uglies and it's, it's sometimes these statements do too much harm. I would love it if people would actually say, actually, I, I signed 50K in contracts. Um, so this is how I organize myself. This is how I use mindfulness to regulate my nervous system. And because I do all of these things, this is how I, I'm, I sustainably have a business, live this beautiful life, take these photos, like give some truth and it'll allow more people to be 
um, quote unquote successful, I would say. Um, yes. Yes. Instead of the co-topping that tends to happen because they're not getting what they need. Right. And a lot of times the biggest piece that's missing, I feel like I've probably done a bad job of this too, is not crediting your team enough. Like people don't become millionaires just by themselves. I oh, don't no. think that's possible. At least they had a an assistant, a mar- marketing person, something, the software's in place. And recently I was listening to a podcast. And I think it's the same person we're talking about that this person has helped me a lot. But recently I've noticed, again, it goes back to the context where they were saying they were, they were in this business mastermind and someone was like, how have you had all this success? And they just said, I manifested it. And she was like, but I'm serious. I manifested it. And I noticed this is why I haven't even really talked about this with anyone except you is this is why I've started to kind of veer away from teaching a bit of manifestation and mindset because people, I needed to work on refining my messaging of how I present it. But my whole point of that story was the word I manifested it makes it look like you closed your eyes, did a little quick visualization, opened your eyes and you had a million dollar business instead of saying, Actually, I hired five full-time team members. We got our softwares in place. We did, we made everything automated. We figured out a checkout process. Like that stuff is what contributes to a million dollar business. And again, that doesn't sound sexy to list out every single thing you do in your business. So we wrap it up by saying, well, I manifested it. And then that's where people get this idea that they're doing everything wrong and they're not manifesting quote unquote, right. Yeah. And that is manifestation. The biggest part of manifestation that's often missing is the action behind it <laughs> for a lot of people. Like, you can journal all you want. Did you take action towards that thing? So then, you know, take action, then the, the, the universe does its part. Um, you know, when they say, don't worry that, about the how, I 100% believe in that because you never know wh- what direction it's coming. Right. But you have to take action. So, have yeah, to take credit, action. credit your team. You know, put those structures in place for your business and then you do your part. And if you believe, then then the other part will match you. It's not just that's that's just it. That, like I, I'm for me, because I was overskilled, like me personally, I was all about logic. You know, that was the whole ma- I guess the masculine side of of handling money and business, the 10 steps to this and follow this formula. And mm-hmm. I never learned to really. I didn't really understand the energetics or, or of money, like the relationship of, of money, of business. And so I had to learn that. And I, I credit like the mindfulness, um, the money mindset, manifestation. I credit, I, I'm going to give that credit, of course, my yoga background too. But I, I do see that big hole in the middle where it's like, oh, I just manifested this. And it's like, what do you mean by man? Can you go, can you elaborate? You know, right. not just, not just did you pull a rabbit out of a hat. Like, is it right. a magic trick? <laughs> you know, just, so That's why can I you always, elaborate? <laughs> yeah. This is what I always used to say when I was teaching heavily manifestation was this is not a game show. You don't Mm-mm. spin a wheel and have a million dollar <laughs> business. I wish it was that easy. I wish we could just spin a wheel and have a million dollar business, but yeah, I want to elaborate to that. It feels like I'm talking mad shit about money mindset manifestation and I'm not. I literally branded myself as a mindset manifestation coach just a year ago. And anybody that listens to my podcast probably knows that's heavily what I talk about. It's I think what Chiam and I are talking about is let's double click on what manifestation means. What does it mean to bring something into your reality? 
And if everybody pauses right now and you just Google the definition of manifestation, it literally means to bring something from your mind's eye into reality. So if we look at the verb bring, bring is what we need to focus on. How do we bring it in? You can't bring it in by just sleeping and dreaming that it comes to your life. It's how are you bringing is a verb. Action is a verb. And I think that's the piece that's missing in the manifestation conversation is the actual bringing piece, which as you can see, Chiam and I are like fired up about. <laughs> so I'm like, I just wish more people were open about all the things they did to get that structure or system or business in place because it would help a lot more of us. Um, something else that that I think would be interesting to talk about is the disconnect between like 3D slash real life and social media and the statistics displaying that disconnect. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, we were having a good conversation. I'm just going to bring it down. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, okay, so for starters, I'm going to start with a, a compliment because you know I'm going to just sink this down to hell. Um, I love everyone's feeds. I want to get on your level when it comes to Instagram and just just got to put that out there and kind of my apologies, but I'm not sorry because um, here's the point. Everybody has this, and I also know a lot of secrets behind some of these nice things too. Everybody has these wonderful feeds that has people, it inspires me, but every now and then I feel like, geez, I'm not leveling up, am I? Oh, you know, and I have to remind myself, this is inspiration. All right, here we go. 2019 statistic, and I took it from 2019 because things were, that was pre-pandemic, things were good. Um, Seven in 10 American families, that's the United States of America, struggle with one aspect of financial stability, such as paying bills or saving money. I have a paper here that I wrote this down. So seven in 10. Prepared. I come prepared, yes. <laughs> Not thinking that the United States is the center of the world, <laughs> I decided to go up north to Canada. Uh, a survey by TD Bank. 40% of Canadians struggle with some or all aspects of their finances, similar to the U.S., paying bills or saving money. I go across the pond. Half of U.K. adults are in urgent help of managing their numbers. I did air quotes with urgent help. And those, that urgent help, the reason why they, they need help, they are impacted by their cost of living the rising cost of energy bills, and the huge growth of buy now, pay later, or Affirm, or Klarna. Some of you might, have, might be using those. I went all the way over to Australia, said 40% of Australians experience some form of stress or financial hardship. And then I just wanted to bring this up a little bit because I thought this was, was funny. I understand, we're back in Europe now, Germany, since Germany was mentioned, Germany does not represent all of Europe, but it was rated as the most financially secure country in Europe. Kind of interesting. Um, but I cited those statistics because I want to make it clear. Of course, the news is fear-mongering, but it's, there, there's a reflection of truth on both sides. How is it, and this is my beef, with the, with the secret, secret came out in 2006. Before then, I think most people have heard of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. It came out in the 1930s. How is it with these money mindset, manifestation awareness, 
is there's still a 1%. 1% people are millionaires. Why? With all this knowledge. That's, something is amiss here. And that's, that's the point of today's topic, discussion. It's like money mindset is keeping you broke because the real problem is not being addressed. So those statistics cite what's going on behind the scenes, behind the pretty Instagram feeds, mm. behind the woke yet broke entrepreneurs that I serve. Love oh. you all. <laughs> <laughs> the Instagram thing, I mean, anybody listening to this that has been listening to my podcast, I've been on one for probably the last two months about the disconnect that we're all seeing. And I had a, a former client reach out and she was like, oh my gosh, I really agree with what you're talking about with the whole disconnect on Instagram in real life. And she wrote an article and I'll reference it here. I actually think I referenced it in a recent podcast too, called The Loneliest Place on Earth. And it was Instagram. And what was interesting is she said, what happens is because we put our bios up, right? Like I am a blah, blah, blah coach and I help blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, when we start posting anything outside of that, like, let me just show my dog walking. Let me show me traveling. Let me show me drinking coffee. We're like, but that's not inspirational. That's not helping anybody. That's not a value. And then we put all this pressure on ourselves to like keep up who we are in our feeds and in our bio. And it, it actually parallels the conversation we're having here. Then we feel like we're never enough. We have to constantly be the source of inspiration, of matching our bio, of matching the identity that we put online without ever breaking that. And then it puts so much pressure on us. And then, like you just said, we're not seeing the statistics behind the Instagram feed because no one would ever show that. No one's ever going to say what's going on in quote unquote real life. And that's why lately I've had to reframe my relationship to Instagram. And now I look at it as a third priority. My podcast is number one. Emails are number two. Instagram is number three. I take my content from those first two things. And now I just put it on Instagram instead of thinking of Instagram as like, this is me, because I think that's who we've become as a culture. My Instagram is me, my true self. And I'm like, that's actually not true. What do you feel about Instagram right now? I am. I'm also in the process of really rethinking Instagram. Um, I actually have not been as active as I used to be. And um, of course, I kind of am not that I have less than a thousand followers, so clearly it's not my that much of my priority. Um, I'm a consumer. I've used Instagram to help me find places to to visit in my city, to eat, to things to do. When I would go for walks, uh, where I live, and live in Chicago, by the way, um, when I go, go for walks, and I love walking on the lakefront. I always felt like, at least last year, that I had to film a portion of my walk to show how beautiful my city is. And now I'm like, what am I doing? This is taking me out of my flow. This is my time. I don't need to prove to anyone that I live in Chicago. Do a Google search and, and find a picture of the city if you want to see what it is like. <laughs> and I don't even think anyone's asking that of me. That's more importantly, no one's asking that of me. So if I feel like sharing something, then I'll do it. But I need to remember that I don't need to perform. So that's, that's been my, my work this year with social media in general. Like, I don't need to... I don't need to curate my photo and become a photographer, even though I envy some of your feeds, man. I do. <laughs> but I just, I, for me, I don't want to give it that time because there's other things that, that require my, my focus. So mm -hmm. that's where that's, I'm at with Instagram. Yeah, the whole proving 
what you're doing and where you live and who you're with and how you spend your time, it all goes back to what we've been saying. It all goes back to trying to prove something. I feel like there's in the coaching industry, people have a lot of chips on our shoulders. We're like, yeah, try me. I'll show you where I live. I show you how much money I make. I show you who I hang out with. I show you who I collaborate with. And it's like, I think we've lost the plot a little bit of like, okay, who are you serving? Who are you helping? You don't need to be a performer all the time, an entertainer, a source of inspiration and showing who you are by your feeds. And I think that's something I've struggled with. I know literally I had to have one of my coaches basically tell me, it's okay if you just want to post a picture of you at you know dinner with your sister. That's fine. You know, if you feel like sharing. And I was like, well, that's not a value. I'm not helping anybody. I, I shouldn't do that. That's not inspirational. And it, again, it all parallels what we're talking about. We always feel like we're not enough. And right. so I encourage people listening to ask yourself kind of what Chiama asked yourself, you know, are people asking this of me? What do people want or how do I use this app? I'm, we're talking about Instagram heavily because that's where I spend a lot of my time. But this could be for anything. This could be TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat. What is it doing and how is it serving you? And I realized for me, yeah, my intentions weren't clear. I was like, why am I on here? Is it to be funny? Is it to share life updates? Is it to run a business? Is it to connect with people? Like, I don't even really know. So when I go into it blind, it causes all these weird mixed emotions and feelings because it's like, why am I even on here? Just very interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to point out the parallel now because we're talking about Instagram, but this is, and you did just allude to it, but this is the same thing with the money mindset. Am I doing my journey, just to make it clear, Am mm-hmm. I doing my vision board right? Am I journaling right? We're still, we're still acting to satisfy another person as if someone's rating us. And we're not thinking like, sorry, to, I'm going to repeat. So you repeated it. I repeated it. I'm going to repeat it again. <laughs> no one asked anything of us. Like no one is asking us to perform. You know what? No, I take that back because you, you know, my, you know my, my slight beef with coaching. Um, and I'm going to put out an episode, just keep getting, keeping it real. I think sometimes, like you said, we're missing the mark with coaching. And since I said, I'm a financial coach, I'm part of this. We have to remember, like, we're not, it's not our business to judge other people. We're here to help not to judge them and give permission. So I think sometimes that is a lot of times that's where that's coming from. We think that's the way we have to be this guru mentality Mm -hmm. that, Ugh, that needs to go away. Yeah. And the guru mentality is then where all the marketing comes in of, yeah, I had a 50K cash day and I made it all within one hour and da da da. And it's like, so then, you know, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to make 50K in an hour? But then you go invest in them and you're like, oh, that's actually not really the whole truth. You, you did X, Y, and Z. You had this system set up. You've hired three full time team members that were doing all the work behind the scenes. And again, I'm speaking from people I know. There could be some of you out there that are working by yourselves, making 50K an hour. I would be happy to have you on this podcast and talk about how you did it. But from what I've seen in talking to other coaches, like Chiam and I are in the industry. We talk to other coaches. We're in masterminds. We we hear the real stories. And there's just a lot that is missing. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. A lot of smoke and mirrors. And it's just, I think my message here is use a little more discernment and challenge your ideas a little bit and say, you know, do I believe in this? Do I even want that thing? Is that even true for me? And that might help you reframe your relationship to money and social media. One one thing I want to talk about before we get to some like solutions is 
the financial struggle that comes at all income levels. And we kind of just talked about it, but there's this magical thinking that if I make X, all my problems will be gone and I will never struggle again financially. You've worked with people that make a lot of money and you call them woke yet broke. Can you tell us a little bit about what you've seen with the financial struggle that comes at all income levels? Sure. So I want to, I'm going to start and I might, I want to start and end it with, with this. Um, just because you, you make a certain amount of money doesn't mean you keep it. So the skill of earning is different from the skill of keeping and keeping is not hoarding. And I think we're very versed on making money and not enough on keeping. And what we know of keeping is cut coffees and all that stuff. And that's, that's not, that's not. (laughs) So what I've seen since I started to become aware, mindful, um, and I'm serving my own clients, there are, I'm going to, I have clients that make five figures and then I have seven figure clients. A couple of my seven figure clients, some of you won't believe overdraw their bank accounts and it happens and they don't have a big business either. You know, it's, 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 it's a small business, but they overdraw their bank accounts. The people, my five figure clients have more cash flowing. They have more cash available to them than my seven figure clients. And I'm not shaming the seven figure clients. I want to make it clear that financial struggle does happen at all income levels. So that's those two disparities. You can drive a Ferrari and have financial struggle. You can live in a big mansion and have financial struggle. Um, I, I have lived experience of this too, um, growing up as well. My, my dad did extremely well for himself. We went from living in welfare to having a big home, six cars, um, all luxuries or combination of Mercedes and BMWs, V12 to nothing short of a V8. So I know what it's like to drive those vehicles, including the G wagon, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. The infamous G wagon, the the infamous G wagon. And, um, we had financial struggle growing up. Um, cars are frequently repossessed. I know what it's like to have the lights off cell phones. The self-service was frequently cut off. And so from the outside looking in, be like, wow, those Njaku's, that's my last name. Those Njaku's are killing it. But um, you didn't know that we didn't have the power off on, you know? So like, just, I'm saying this to those that feel like they're not measuring up. I, we've been saying this. If you're feeling like you're not measuring up, like if you're feeling bad, like, please understand, like, just because you don't hit a certain number in your life or business doesn't mean that you're less than. And I know that's what the programming is. It's now it's time to change the narrative and really look at what it is that you need and want, not someone else telling you what you should earn or have. And yeah, focus on you and, and just, yeah, understand like everybody struggles financially, everybody, including Donald Trump (laughs) with his infamous bankruptcy. So A billionaire can struggle. Yeah, we've seen it. I mean, go watch reality TV. There's actual millionaires on there that have now been completely like exposed for how bad their financial struggles are. We've seen people get deported. We've seen people go to jail. We've (laughs) seen so many things happen now that I'm like, 
if you don't believe it, go watch reality TV. I think there is, again, this fallacy that you drive nice cars, you have nice things, you must be the most financially literate, sound person out there because you bought that car or you have that mansion. Instead of thinking, how did they get that car? Maybe they put it on a credit card. Maybe they took it a loan. Maybe they did buy it in cash, but now they didn't couldn't pay their basic bills. So those are the things that I, I don't want it to sound like we're saying don't go after those things and be proud of them. But we're also saying don't expect that when you hit an income level that all of a sudden financial struggles dissolve unless you actively are working on them and know how to handle and keep your money, which is what we're going to get into next. But yeah, go watch reality TV and you'll see how much millionaires and billionaires struggle. Yeah. And these are true stories. That's at least what you see. So it, it happens all the time. And I, I just want the people that are like, I I'm still haven't made my first six figures to know that, look, there's nothing wrong with you. Like you're not like enjoy yourself. Like you don't have to make six figures even to have money, you know, like right? enjoy. The quality of your life is more important than the money in your bank account. Yeah. I noticed this last year. I, in the beginning of last year, 2021, I set out to make the infamous six figures, the big 100K, full transparency. I did not hit that number. And at the end of the year, I was kind of beating myself up like, damn, if you just would have done this one more thing, if you just tweaked that program, if you just made that higher price, maybe you would have hit it. And I had to actually seriously talk to my therapist and look at what I accomplished throughout the year. Like, the fact that I could even support myself for my own business and pay rent is a big accomplishment. The fact that I traveled to multiple countries on my own dime, huge accomplishment. The fact that I could take a call from the rooftop of a, a hostel after I swim in the ocean, that was like always my dream was to be able to swim and then go take a client call. And it's like, wait, I did that. So why am I now discrediting myself because I didn't make six figures? It's so backwards. And I have continually had to remind myself of this even this year. Still haven't hit my, you know, the big magical number, monthly number. And I'm like, okay, but look at the quality of your life and how you spend your days and who you hang out with. That's what's going to matter when you're at the, you know, your final moments of life. Of course, money matters, but we're saying so does the quality of your life. I just would love for you to even just do an episode, even about that, because from this person looking at you, I'm like, wait, she did all these things. Oh, let me just, let me just, let me just keep it real here. She can afford a therapist. <laughs> she can get her hair done and her nails done because there's people who can't. And you didn't make, this is someone who knows how to manage her money, y'all. Chelsea knows how to manage her money. That's evidence. Thanks to Chiama. <laughs> uh, just a little bit. <laughs> You're interested. So <laughs> you're the one that invested in that knowledge. So, um. Yeah. Right. That's and awesome. I'm yeah. I'm honored. <laughs> oh yeah. The context too is like, I'm a, I'm, I was able to afford all those things because my rent was cheap as hell in Germany. I had five roommates in an apartment that was not new. Um, I spent $0 going out because we were in a lockdown. You know what I mean? It's like when you, this is what I'm talking about. Transparency and context. Even right now, Guys, I'm living at home. I pay $0 in rent or electricity bills. Do you know how much money now I can save to go towards myself, my business, my team? That that's the stuff that people miss. They think, I, I say this all the time. I'm like, I think people think I make way more money than I do without looking at my life circumstances and being like, oh, that's why she's able, like you just said, to afford XYZ. It's because I'm like, 
I'm not paying money in rent right now. And my business costs, I've had to cut some things and I keep them pretty low. And there are months where I struggle and there's months where I'm abundant more than I thought. And it's just interesting that this is what I'm talking about, the optics of how things look. We need to be a little more discerning. Yeah. I don't want you to give yourself a heck of a lot more. I know it's your podcast. I'm sorry, but give yourself credit, girl. Because like, no, I know you're like you're very good. You're savvy. You're savvy. Thank you. But I have well, I have perspective on on why I can say that too. Um, from this, I don't mean to compare to other people, but I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I guess the context of this too is not discrediting myself. Thanks to Chiyama and other you know things that I've invested in, I've learned how to manage my money. So instead of getting a paycheck and blowing it on something, it's like no, I have my self care budget, I have my business budget, I have my travel budget, and that's why I'm able to do these things because now every dollar has a purpose. Where before it was like. Oh, okay. I have whatever $500. Let me see if I can blow it by Friday on God knows what. And that was truly my money mindset like a year and a half ago. By the way, guys, if you haven't listened to the podcast with Chiyama before this, check them out because we talk about this. And I also did a whole solo episode, I think around just around a year ago. And it was called How I'm Healing My Relationship to Money, where I reference a lot of the work that I did to get to this point. So this actually brings me to our final question slash topic is solutions to using money mindset manifestation that can actually help you attract and keep money. I know we've been talking about money management, but can you expand on that or add some more perspective to the solutions? Sure. The the first thing, which is can almost be the thing, is you in a collective sense, you have to want to have money. You have to desire it. If you don't, and this is not me saying believe you can have it. That's a different thing. You have to want, like that's a starting point. If you don't want it, there's nothing else I can say, nothing else anyone else can say. You will reject money. So you have to want it. You don't have to believe it yet. You you will work on that belief when you want it, but you have to want it. So that's the thing. That's the foundation. So now that you want it, Let's talk. Let's let's bring in some money mindset tools that that can support the journey. The one thing um, I think I meant, it was mentioned. Yes, a lot of money mindset is t- it takes place outside of the finances. So how can you have more money when you're still avoiding your money? You know, so how how can you manifest money but you're still you're still avoiding your bank accounts? So I found that for me, when I was stuck, I was doing the same thing. I thought I didn't have to have any kind of financial some would call it financial skill or any kind of real relationship with my money. And so I was woke, but I wasn't practicing talking to my money. I was still like, yeah, well, I love money. Money loves me, but I don't even know it. Look, look at it. So you've got to look at your money. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know your bank passwords, hey, get familiar with your bank passwords, log in, um, and just look at your bank balance. And so here's, since I mentioned I love money and money loves me, as an example, affirmation. Instead of reciting your affirmations in front of a mirror, maybe look at your bank accounts and recite your affirmation. The one thing that I did was I love money and money loves me. It's probably why it rolls off the tongue so easily. Or you could say dollars flow to me easily or money is easy to come by. Whatever your personalized affirmation is about money, Look at your money as you're saying it. That's your financial mirror. 
it's a, literally a reflection of your actions, your beliefs, your values in dollar form or euro form or pound form, whatever your currency is. So that's an example of engaging with your money. We talked about vision boards. Maybe have your vision board beside you or in front of you or behind somewhere that's visible while you're tracking your finances, also known as bookkeeping. So that while, because we're conditioned to hate tracking our finances, we can shift that. You can learn to enjoy tracking your money and then you can keep yourself focused by looking at, I'm imagining that I'm looking at my vision board to my, my left. Um, you can look at like, this is why I'm tracking my, my finances. You can look at your, your, if you like your G-Wagon, look at your G-Wagon. <laughs> That's why you're tracking your finances. Look at, look at your vision board. And it keeps you focused. It keeps you connected and bonding. And then one more thing I will add before I say why this is necessary. You can do your money date, pay your bills, track your finances, look at your bank balance. And then afterwards, journal about it, about it. What came up? What did you observe? How are you feeling? All of this is to engage with your money. And it's not about, oh, shoot, I paid a late fee. Or why did you pay a late fee? What could you do to avoid the late fee in the future? What is that late fee preventing you from? You're now, if you have a focus on what the things that you want, you're now handling your money. You're talking to your money. You're relating to your money in a way that your money is now supporting you in getting the things that you want. I didn't even, I didn't even go for cash flow strategy. That's a whole nother thing. But just some of these mindset, these common mindset techniques, you can do this while looking and engaging with your money. Not journal separately, but meanwhile, you have no idea what your bank password is. Mm. You haven't even looked at your bank account for like, two months, you know, but you journaled and you said your affirmations in front of a mirror. No, let's switch that. Like, look at your bank accounts with the tools, use the tools to help you look at your bank accounts and engage with your money. That is, that was exactly my problem. When I took money mindset courses, I would do the journaling. I would join the zoom calls. I would participate in the discussion, you know, post in the Facebook groups. But I never actually did the biggest thing that was most important was opening my bank account, downloading a statement, seeing what was coming in and was going out. And that was something that a lot of them kept saying, just track your finances for a week, just see what happens. And I wouldn't do that. And so I would be done with the course being like, why am I not a six figure earner yet? Why did this not happen? Why? And it's like, you didn't even track your finances for a month. And I learned this from Tori Washington. She said this, she's like, you don't get rich or wealthy by accident. That's not a strategy, like wishing and praying and hoping that a million dollars is going to show up in your bank account. You actually do have to be strategic and go look at what's coming in and what's coming out. Because like you've been saying this whole time, you could be making a lot of money and actually spending a lot. So you're never even going to hit the mark that you're going after because you don't even know where your money is. So that's a huge help. And that's something you taught me is tracking my finances. I do it daily now. I have my tracker on my dashboard by the end of the day, whenever a payment comes in, it's actually become a little bit of like an OCD thing, but I'm like, I'd rather track it daily than not. And it has helped me feel in control of my money because now when I go to get my nails done or go out to eat, I'm not freaking out of like, oh my gosh, do I have enough money in the bank? It's like, yeah, I do because I look at my finances every single day, if not hourly, (laughs) to make sure that what is coming in and going out is it matches with my desires. 
I think another solution that helped me a lot. This is when I was like my absolute brokest when I was living in Australia, making zero income, working as a nanny, living off of my tax refund and stimulus check. Um, And I think I had like $100 in my checking account. I started to track what I did have, which is what you've been talking about instead of what I don't have, started to track what I do have. So I treated the $100 in my bank account as if I had won the lottery. And I like I actually felt like that. I was like, oh, my God, you have $100 in your bank account. Oh, my gosh, that's a big deal. And then I would go look at any discounts I got in my emails and be like, okay, this discount, if I purchase this thing, just saved me. I'm making it up $25. Oh, my gosh, the the family I'm staying with just helped me with groceries. That's $50 worth of groceries. I'm adding that to my tracker as like money that's in my sphere. So instead of looking at just what you're earning, look at like what's in your sphere. Do people buy you things? Did you get a discount on something? There's so many ways that money is coming to us, but we don't realize it. And I swear that is what catapulted me into a new energy. That's when I started my business. That's when I had my biggest course launch. That all came from being like obsessed and actually excited for the money that was coming around me, even when I was broke as hell, because it put me in the energy of abundance. And that's what we're talking about. I actually was grateful for everything that I had around me, even if it was barely $500, because it put me again, it was the identity of I am an abundant person. And to be honest, I kind of fell off from that and I need to do it again. So if you're listening and you're like this, I do feel stuck and I don't know what to do. Try out what Chiama and I are saying. Track what's around you. Track your money. Learn your bank passwords. Get comfortable checking your bank account on a daily or weekly basis. This is how you start to develop a deeper relationship with money. 100%. Oh, well, I could keep talking about this. I'm like, we've already recorded for an hour. I feel like I could go for three hours, but... (laughs) I know that everyone is going to want to work with you, especially after all the stuff we talked about. So can you let us know what's coming out for you? What do you have coming up and where people can find you? Sure. Um, thanks to you. <clears throat> it's finally coming. Uh, I have a podcast Yay. that's going to be released. Keep pushing it off and pushing it off. But my birthday is coming up. Um, so this will be out before this episode will be out before my podcast. But um I'm a student of Chelsea's. My podcast is called Cheers to Your Prosperity, and I will be talking more about money, things like this, <laughs> the keep it reals. So I, um, I believe everyone has a right to prosper, everyone. So I, it's my mission to help more people have more money in their bank accounts and have more fun. That's, that's truly passionate about that. So that's for starters. Um, I. We'll be hanging out on Instagram more often <laughs> now that the podcast is pretty much uh, out. Um, so my handle is Mindfully Chiama. And yeah, I'm there. Come say hi. Um, and then should I share how, how I work with people? Or Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so the main way I work with people, I have a few things, but the main way... Um, I believe that business owners, especially in humans, we need support. So I am not a group coaching kind of person. I'm the person that can help you implement the knowledge, implement what you learn in your group courses as it especially relates to money, because a lot of businesses don't have a financial function. So um, my core program is called Achieve uh, Financial Control. 
I support you. Um, I do that by the foundation is your bookkeeping, but I also work with you to shift your money mindset, um, create a flow of cash as it supports you and your business. And um, basically, by the time we are done, the expectation is you have more money in your bank accounts than you are used to and less debt. So um, I'd love to help you achieve financial control. Highly recommend Chiyama, everybody. Truly, she was the catalyst that changed everything for me. This was after me taking probably three pretty expensive money mindset courses, investing in all the books, listening to all the podcasts. It was her accountant background mixed with the strategy and the energetics and just keeping it real and doing the tactical action to get there. That's what started making me feel like I do have a relationship with money. And I always credit you for being someone that really helped me transform my money reality. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank it goes you. both ways. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank everybody for listening. I know this was a spicy conversation, so be sure to reach out to me and Chiama. Let us know what you think. Tag us in your stories. DM us. We're always open to conversation. But thanks for tuning in, and we'll talk again. Well, there you have it. Another point of view to make you think about how you can relate to money differently and practical ways to shift your thoughts about it. Chiyama is such an incredible source of wisdom on this topic, and I really hope you follow her work at The Mindful Bookkeeper and listen to her podcast, Cheers to Your Prosperity. Money is a touchy subject, but it really doesn't have to be, and I hope conversations like this and content like Chiyama puts out will really help you open the door to what's possible when you have a relationship with money. And speaking of money, if you're trying to save some money, you're in luck, because if you leave a review on this podcast, you're going to be entered into a giveaway to win a variety pack of Curious Elixirs. They're the booze-free cocktails I've been obsessed with. I love the number one, and their new number seven is a twist on the French 77. So if you want to try a whole variety pack and see which flavor is best, you can win it for free, all from leaving a review. So all you have to do is head to Apple Podcasts, hit my podcast, scroll down to ratings and reviews, write up your review, take a screenshot, and then send it to me, info at chelsearife.com, or shoot me a DM on Instagram with your screenshot at Chelsea Rife. I would suggest sending the screenshot before you submit it because sometimes it takes a while to show up and I want to make sure that your review counts for this giveaway. And I will pull a winner at the end of the month. So excited for you guys to try these booze-free cocktails. Now, if you don't win the giveaway, you're still in luck because you can take $10 off an order of $50 or more by using the code RIFE22 at checkout or heading to the link in my show notes, which will take you directly to the checkout link with my code already applied. So let me know what you think. Like I said, I'm really obsessed with number one right now, but we'll see. Summer's coming up, so I feel like my taste buds may change and I might want to switch up which one I'm drinking. All right. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week.